Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Hi, it's Frida, and Abby's not here. We are doing a re-release of Moon for our in the middle of our break, and to accompany that, we've got an interview with a very, very special guest. Introducing the one and only Aaron Wagan. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Frida. Honored to be here. <laughs> I didn't ask you yet how you feel about me. I just thought I'd offer. So, Aaron and I go, we don't go way back. We go back. We go back. Um, and I have some questions here, but um, I guess I'll ask one of them. Oh, what was my first question? Well, I guess, would you like to introduce yourself thoroughly to our audience? Um. Uh, yes, I so I am a neurologist um, interested in dementia, so cognitive neurology, uh, and have done research in and around uh, that area, both you know using at, some, at times human brain tissue, or looking at proteins, or looking at genetics, or looking at clinical uh, research um, involved with aging and dementia. Um, I am originally from Melbourne, but I'm currently living in London. I've never in met London. Abby. Are you guys still fairly locked up? We are just, we're kind of emerging now. Um, I So you can go and um, sit at a pub in smaller groups or go out to, I went to my first gallery in a year yesterday. Um, and the weather is, it's uh, the very end of May, we've had a very wet May, but finally getting some sun now. So uh, there's, there's hope, hope in summer and vaccines. But because you're a doctor, have you been largely working from the clinic or have you been working from home? I've, so I've, during the pandemic, I started my um, well, I had started my PhD, so I've mainly been on the research side of things and not uh, in, on the front line. Um, what's, your, what's your project? I was going to ask you, what, if, what are you particularly interested in research-wise, but maybe you can just explain what your PhD research uh, topic is. So I'm lucky to have a four-year PhD program. So in the first year, you kind of you speed date. Um, pick and mix, uh, so do rotations in three different labs, and uh, so I did one rotation looking at imaging analysis, um, the connectome, everything needs to have an ohm these days, uh, so the connectome using MRI analysis of um, uh, healthy older people. Um, the second project was on genomics, looking at um, shared genetic um, traits or, or shared genetic elements that might cross over between dementias and different neurodegenerative diseases. Uh, and the um, just on the third one now, uh, which is looking at Parkinson's disease. Mm. Um, so looking at kind of the, 
um, the proteins involved in Parkinson's disease, alpha synuclein is the is the. That is cool. So you sort of rotate different projects. Are these projects that sort of the institute that you're a part of is cycling you through, or did you pick those as your areas that you wish to try out? So the, the all the projects have to be neurodegeneration, and they um, suggest some some projects, and then you, there's also some room to kind of find your own. Uh, so... That's been my past year, really. Cool. Do you like it? Do you like what you do? Are you having been, fun? The last uh, year aside, I guess. Last year aside, yeah. I, um, I've, enjoy, I've enjoyed the rotations a lot more than I thought I would. I think mainly um, there's a bit of freedom because you can, I guess, after many years of medical training to have the choice to say, I want to do this for three months is uh, oh. some somewhat rare and novel and I'm enjoying that the and then also there's a you it's delaying commitment which is kind of fun <laughs> so I've got another year where I don't have to commit to what I'm going to do for three years bliss uh, so um, sounds good but, but also you know I, I, I find it amazing in science when you go and talk to these people about maybe doing a PhD or doing some research and and their first question is always, so what are you interested in? As if you're meant to know, like, the entire literature and all the different methods involved and know which ones you actually want to do. And I think that's an impossible question. Uh, it's actually kind of true, and it's funny because I asked you that question, and it takes a long time to find something you're at. If you're lucky enough to actually find something that interests you, it might take a really long time. Like... I'm barely there myself. If someone asked me that question, I would have no idea what to say. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dumb question. You just get dropped into a pile of shit and try to figure out what to do, what to write your next paper on, I guess. Yeah. Um, the paper I'm working on right now is a t pile of crap. But... <laughs> It, hopefully it'll lead to a thing that won't be. Yeah, uh, then they then they frame that as a learning experience. Oh, this yeah. is this, this is one of your learning experiences, Frida. Something like that. Should, yeah, should, incremental, incremental. It's the big yeah. one. But anyway, we're here to talk about um, uh, movies. So I'll just segue into that and ask you. So we know you're into medicine and you're doing a PhD, um, but I wanted to ask you about. Um, movies. Do you love movies? Are movies a thing for you? Stories are a thing for me, oh. in, uh, and I think I'm I'm f to some degree form agnostic. Uh, but I do I like movies. But if it comes in the form of a TV show or a podcast or uh, a live story, I think I'm I'm there for it. Okay. And how about science fiction? Is that a, a genre that you have connected to much? So uh, it is. I enjoy science fiction. Oh. Um, I, um, I think the the kind of escapism involved is is very fun, uh, and I think that a lot. I mean, uh, growing up in the nineties, there 
there weren't a lot, I don't, for, I don't know about, for me, there weren't a lot of good stories. It was like the decade that um, <sighs> storytelling went on sabbatical. It's like, the, you know, and, and even going through, um, going through your podcast episodes, it's like <laughs> the 90s is full of this, this, like there was, there was no even moderately deep thought had in the 90s, except with the exception, I think, of Contact, um, which I think is the quintessential science fiction movie. Uh, and it is, um, I lo- it was my favourite movie growing up. I love that movie. It would actually, because Face Off is coming out this week. So like when you say the 90s, really is just like a lot of junk. Yeah, it's like Will Smith with an even bigger gun shooting aliens. It's like, <laughs> like the, the, the earth dies a different way that doesn't make sense. How many ways can the earth die that doesn't make sense? It's funny that you say science fiction has an escapism aspect to it because sure, there's fantastical elements, but isn't it a lot of it kind of dystopian? A lot of science fiction? Uh, it is exploring kind of pretty dark ideas about where humanity might be going. Yeah, and I guess that's that's the other side of it is what I want to ask a very human question. What is the most um, augmented story or context or environment yeah. that, that I can use to ask that question? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the vehicle of science fiction gives you access to all these like amazing visuals and cool sets and amazing music always, like uh, all these wonderful things that are sort of just enjoyable to consume, I guess. And prosthetics, Frida. Puppetry. Puppetry, prosthetics, makeup. Yeah. I don't know, when, in the 90s when there was nothing else to watch, it was Star Trek with my dad. I, uh, I never watched Star Trek before. Um, I was going to say something. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. This is what I was going to say was that in science, there's a funny thing where like um, SETI, in real life SETI or just spacey science might seem like to a lot of people it wastes a whole lot of money but because they have to push a lot of boundaries that haven't been pushed before they end up inventing a lot of stuff and I feel like there's an analogy with science fiction movies is they kind of try to do all this stuff and show all this stuff which hasn't been shown before so they kind of end up inventing all these great techniques um I'm thinking off the top of my head like that you know anti-gravity stuff like the 2001 Space Odyssey, gravity, anti-gravity walk, all these kind of cool things that filmmakers get to show us that it's just a, a lot of it's a big treat. That was just a random thought that I had. No, but, the, but, the, but that sets the imagination for, to some degree, science. I guess that's the, you know, clones. Yeah. The idea of clones were first invented in science fiction, which was before we knew the structure of DNA. It's like. Yeah, it's crazy. I actually just started reading reading Asimov just because I just thought I'd give it a go. And it has his foreword to the short stories where he's saying that he predicted so much of science. Like he's bragging about how much of his stuff came to fruition. And, and he was saying it's because he understands a lot about where science is going. I guess he can make, he can make predictions. Um, but so the movie we're here to celebrate is, of course, Moon. Um, the Duncan Jones film is like 2009. I forgot to write that down. I always do that. Um, 
So, Moon, why do you love Moon? I know I'm just going to make an assumption. Uh, so this was my third viewing of New Moon. I just Me too. It. And I enjoyed it even more, or at least or found new parts to enjoy that um, I, th- I think I, l- I like it because, I mean, it's just good. The, yeah. the, 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 the story is good. The premise is good. It explore. I mean, the, it, for me, this viewing was all about Sam Bell and the character of the two Sams and, and watching them kind of react to each other and relate to each other and the tenderness between them. Mm. For, yeah, for me, this this viewing was about the the kind of the tenderness and humanity of Sam Bell um, 1 and 2 and Gertie and the plants. Mm. The um, plants. And, the t- and I, I hadn't noticed on the first two viewings how many, well, now because I know this trivia bit, how many takeaway boxes are in the set? food takeout boxes that the crew was eating out of it's everywhere there's takeout boxes like their food the plants are being grown at takeout boxes if you look behind a lot of the sets Hmm. and i think because i had i spent the first viewing being in total shock Hmm. and the second viewing being like oh i remember how good this was this time i i knew everything so the amount of detail that i could appreciate it was almost like i was watching a new movie because i don't think i noticed I don't think I picked up, for example, the whole thing about the coordinates, how he feeds the coordinates. I don't think I really was like, I didn't really, the first viewing, I didn't really get a lot of the detail of the storyline. The rescue mission, I didn't really digest that. Um, but the third viewing, I watched it, it was almost like I, I noticed so many things I never noticed before. I agree. And I think that's what, to some degree, what makes it such a good movie. The, f- the first time you, you're is this what you're, 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 you're so engaged trying to figure out what is going on. Uh, yeah. And then, and, and then the second time was like, for me, it was realizing that, yeah, it still held up even if you knew what happened. And then this time I agree. It was just the, um, the enjoyment of it. Yeah. I, I mean, just the, the acting, the music. I, yeah. The, 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 I mean, was, was the music. I, th- I find, like, it's, it's, uh, I actually, it was, yeah, and I, the, the tenderness between all living things up there on space, you know, in mm. the harshest of environments, I thought. Uh, so the, between Sam and the plants and then Sam and Gertie, who, to some degree, I'm calling a living thing, I guess, um, whether I'm you know, potentially... Animated, something animated. like that, yeah. Yeah, I, the thing that I noticed a lot of was Sam, like the old Sam's like despair really got to me on this third viewing. Like I really felt for him. And the yeah, the concern that the new Sam had. I just noticed a lot of things like the the decline of this guy and his total trying to escape what's inevitably happening to him. It was just so much sadder to watch this time. And that, and that's, um, yeah. yeah. The, you go. 
Awesome. The, you can see the recognizing this journey that old Sam's been on by seeing young Sam or new Sam. Yes. That was and, a big part of what I picked up on. Yeah. And that, that, going, going from like anger yeah. and, and, and a bit aggressive to kind of really reflecting on kind of what he's done and coming to the growth essentially, even despite being isolated for three years culminating in that you know that is it a sacrifice i don't know putting himself back into the crash rover like essentially volunteer knowing that it's inevitable that he's going to die but even then going out back to the crash rover having a little moment of memory about you know the first time they met their their wife yeah uh, and then being put back in there uh yeah, I think he just couldn't stand the thought of shitting himself in a rocket, feeling that crap for three days just felt like the most terrible way to go. I, which I think would be, I mean, that whole, even at full health, that idea is terrifying to me. Yeah. How did, what was he, how did he, no, I don't understand it. Can you imagine he, being in space in that, in essentially a coffin yeah, he scooting. had a tank with him, I think. He dragged... Yeah, See, these are a... things that I actually could notice this time. Yeah. He dragged a few things in with him, but yeah, I mean, it's insane. Um, and, and what you said about the two of them, that struck me so much of how... And this was one of the things we spoke about before this interview, that they, are, are, we di are they Sam at different points in Sam's life? So that you know, every clone goes through the same, every clone goes through the same process. Is that what three years of isolation will just do to you? Will just calm you down? Or do they each go on their own, like, journey? Um, and then there's sort of this question of, are we different people at different times in our lives? Is that what that means? Uh, it's just sort of all these funny questions that I had when I was watching it. So I was, yeah, watching it with that in mind. And I, I mean, I think to some degree, you know, his backstory was obviously chosen and set up and constructed for him through memories for him to be an optimum person to take out a three-year mission. So I think if you think like, what backstory would I want to give my clone? If you're mm -hmm. Lunar Industries, like you, you don't want, you want them to be kind of not too curious, but still able to solve problems. You want them to be hardworking, and I think to some degree, this like broken man or like needing to have some time away to kind of sort through your things. I think that's kind of a perfect cover story. This like I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the moon. I'm, I'm kind of doing penance for a lot of the things that I did on Earth. And I need to go through this journey, and I think to some degree that might that it seems like a very clever cover story to give someone who's who needs to act independently in space for three years. Absolutely, and then the, the sort of frequent check-ins from the wife saying, "I think we needed this. I think it's good for us. I think it'll be good for us." It's sort of motivating him, and you see the look on his face. He's like, you know, he's looking at her, kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, no, I." I you know. Like it's and and that brings me. I guess we can kind of take the conversation to um, the place, which we kind of intended, which is that 
well, you are um, a dementia specialist, obviously, and you see people whose memories are in decline. And here we have an example of they using memory implantation in order to, as you said, craft out some sort of motivation for him so that he does his job very, very well. Um, and so I guess the question I'd, I'd pose to you is that it give, you know, in your experience, I guess you sort of just answered the question of why you think memory implanting is necessary for him to function. But then what would it mean to have the absence of memory in a situation like that? What do you think? So, uh, you know, I think it's in kind of dementia, unfortunately, once you get to a severe, there's, you know, there's lots of different types of dementia, but once you get to a very severe end case, then a lot of the times in, you know, all the different types of dementia can look quite similar. But I think it, it's, it can be somewhat interesting in earlier forms of dementia or at an earlier stage, you know, some dementias will just affect your grammar or some will just affect your visual perception and some will affect your memory. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of get this, you know, if you remove one of those things, if you remove, you know, arithmetic or if you remove, um, you know, how you make decisions, how does that change you as a person? Yeah. Uh, and I think it's interesting that there's, you know, there's, it doesn't, the, um, it, there's a car playing very loud music outside. I'm sorry about that. Um, I think it's interesting that people still seem to maintain their essence. And I don't know if that's just because they're in a social environment where that identity is still maintained. And I think there is something to say for, you know, no human, no person is born in isolation. So there's always a social um, context. But I think the, I guess, you know, the most pure test, there's a, there's a very unusual condition called transient global amnesia, where you lose your ability to make memories for, you know, anywhere from six to 18 hours. Oh, wow. And And people don't really understand what causes it, but it's like this, you know, if you're, if you know, if you wanted to do, if you wanted to design the studies, like what happens if you can't make memory, then uh, this would be like, this would be the perfect condition. And then people come back and they, yeah, so it comes on suddenly. People can't make new memories or remember what's going on at the time. Uh, and then that ability comes back, you know, they become normal after 18 hours. Uh, and there's still a, there's still a marked difference. You can still sense that the, the different personalities of people, like I've seen a number of different people with this, and there's like different, you can still sense different personalities of people even when they, they don't have this ability to make memory. Um, and some will be anxious and questioning and some will just sit there happily and some... Right. So I think, you know, memories are, are clearly fundamental to what it means to be human, but I think it's not... Without them, there there is there does still seem to be something that is a human and be kind of individual to that person uh, that goes beyond just the memory. Yeah, I think that I've heard you say something before to me where you've sort of said, and for lack of a better word, a spirit, 
I don't know, like you've mentioned that, that you, there's, there's an essence to a person which sort of goes beyond what we can measure. But what so that, that is and whether a clone would have that is, I guess, another question. So I, that, this like, yeah, this essence of the person or soul or whatever it is that I think comes as like, as a, emerges like it's a it's a sum total or it's greater than the sum of its parts of the, the brain of a person and the social context of a person and I think also the body of a person uh, and I think you know this idea of the clone is an interesting one in that you're you're recreating bodies of people yeah yeah uh, you're not you know at the moment they're at the stage of cloning cells cells individual cells stem cells and even at the even at the level of individual cells, there's issues on how to mature them. So you're trying to create um, brain cells, and you want them to model dementia. So you want them to be old brain cells. But human brain cells, when if you if you grow one in a dish, has to go through all the steps of maturation. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the time you're still at fetal, but then if you grow them for weeks, you might get to childhood, and then you know adolescence and they're making bad decisions and then whatever but the i think this yeah a big hole in in kind of the this whole cloning idea and that the idea that you could snap freeze you know a thousand different sams all at the same point all when they've got the memory of leaving their wife that is still you know well beyond what science can conceive of at the moment but what yeah well beyond what science can conceive of, and also you're saying that even if you did have that physical, the physical embodiment, plus memories, it do- doesn't or shouldn't necessarily follow that you'd get this entire personality as well. With his anger, I mean, is his anger or his impatience could just be, I'm a fresh new clone and I want to work. But, you know, these things come as a result of our lived experience. So... If you just give somebody memory, does that mean you give us all these learnt behaviours that have emerged as a result of our lived experience? Do learnt behaviours, how can you encode those things, I'm wondering? Is it even possible or do they just emerge over time? Well, through what you've witnessed around your family or I, I don't know, something else. Can you just give somebody memory and then go okay cool that's sam and his cheeky personality you know (laughs) so i think you know the idea that i mean memory and the brain i think the the software hardware analogy doesn't work uh and you know there's that that quote or that conception that you know every age in every age humans conceive of their body or themselves in the kind of metaphor of that age and so you know in the 19th um, 20th century was all about mechanics and all you know there were the the drawings of the body that are all you know pipes and gears and shifts Mm -hmm. and then now we're in this age where it's it's about computers and binary and software and hardware and that those are those are um, you can separate those two Uh, but I think in the brain that's not the case Because the software is the hardware. Yeah. Because so there's that that embodied that embodiment aspect uh, that I that I think is is kind of 
crucial to what it means, yeah, to what it means to be alive or to be human, I guess. Um, and I think that that's an interesting, th- you know, what if, you know, it comes up with Gertie, if you have an AI that can move bodies, like there's never an existential, th- there's not a feeling of like, yeah, I get to some degree existential threat. I guess there is, you can turn them off, you can delete them, but it's like, what does it mean to have a physical presence? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've gone on a tangent. I think it's this idea that you can insert a memory that what that means is that you need to find a way to insert synapses and dendritic trees and different parts of neurons and neurotransmitters in a certain way that they all fire in a certain dynamic way that is, yeah, so beyond what we can conceive of at the moment. Um, I'm interested of what you just sort of touched on with the idea of a physical presence. I guess are we talking about having personhood would imply a physical presence means you're a person. Um, Having memories or awareness of being a person makes you a person. Um, Whereas Gertie is just, uh, he doesn't have a physical presence. So we can't, we feel less comfortable prescribing sort of intention to him or personality to this robot. But I'm just curious of what, what did you mean by talking about a physical presence? What does that give somebody to have a body? Uh, Yes. I think there is something fundamental about the body and the, the, that, you know, that even if you were able to, transplant yeah if you were able to transplant my brain which you can't into like i think yeah because it's not just the brain because your brain is part of a nervous system that is integrated throughout your entire body so how i experience the world is inherently related to my body yeah yeah Uh, so i don't yeah i just don't i think that we have a, a concept at the moment that you can separate those things and I think that it is, I, I don't think it's so easy to do so. There's a part of the movie, which I, again, this is like one of the little things I, I had the emotional space to notice on the third viewing, which was that they, each of them are having like sexy dreams about Tess. Like there's a point where they each have, I think, I'm pretty sure. And old Sam, he's having like a pretty sexy dream. And he wakes up from the dream in the morning in a way that implies that maybe, you know, something is physically, you know, the children here, I don't want to, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that made me kind of, I was like, here's somebody who's never seen her. He's never had that a, a sexual experience in his life. How could it? but he has memories of sexual experience. How would his body know to respond that way? It, that kind of really got me as it kind of confused me. I couldn't quite make sense of if you've never, I guess if your body just works a certain way and you have memories, but what if a clone you just assume that he's going to be attracted to tests? Like, okay, so you've got memories of this person 
in my head. I'm a male and I have a male anatomy and so I'm going to have re responses to things. And these are the memories in my head. So that's what's going to give me the response. Even though I've never gone through sexual maturity, I've never seen this person, I've never had a sexual experience, and yet my body's responding in this way. Did, did you notice that or did you have any thoughts about, about that? So there's, I mean, there's the premise in this movie is that the clones all come fully formed mm -hmm. and they're all snap frozen. Uh, and I think to be honest, you know, I'm kind of glad that they didn't try and explain how the clones came to be because I think they would have got bogged down in yeah. uh, a, so true. A annoying explanation. And I'm happy just to kind of, I'm happier to, to accept the premise yeah uh, but i think yes that kind of you know i was just to actually have made those clones at the moment the only like as i was I, that was what i was trying to say with you know when when we try and even grow cells there's no way to 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 create a stem cell to make a stem cell into a neuron to an adult neuron without going through all that development and that's even at yeah. a cell level so all those clones theoretically would have had to have gone through like some kind of growth, mm -hmm. childhood, adolescence in like yeah. some cell or some construction. Uh, yeah, there's unless until we get to the point where you can, yet yeah, I guess 3D print a body with mature cells that all work yeah. together. You have to mature the cells. There isn't, there isn't a way around that. Um, there would it be, and and but, and even more so with an organism, which is, you know, the yeah. emerge. That's on the cell, the cell level. Um, I'll just pivot around um, because we've talked about the idea that I find this is what I find really interesting and um, kind of bring because we yeah we are talking about sort of these elements that the movie chose not to show us for good reason. I think the movie shines because it does not explain it doesn't doesn't waste any of our time trying to explain any of these things um and so we don't have to do that but what i think is really interesting and key to the way the movie works is what we spoke about like motivation as a worker that at the end of the day they're a corporation they need him to do a very very good job and to be motivated and they give him memories because it gives him these motivation to do a great job so we can get sent back to earth so that's the corporation's decision to do that so just as a thought experiment how do you think it would go if the clones were self-aware they just had clones that knew they were clones how much work do you think that they would get done what would be the problem for the company by having self-awareness in the clones yeah i think this is a great question um, and it, I guess it goes from, it changes it from a, like it changes it from a personal kind of question to a social political question. It's yeah. Like you wake up, uh, you are a clone. This is your purpose. Um, you know, and you're told all this, and you know, and this is the these are the the benefits you'll get. You'll get, you know, you'll be fed all the time. Uh, you'll be able to listen to crappy 80s music to wake you up every morning you can look at reruns of i dream of genie um and that's your payment and then it, then it, you know we're, we're going back to you know this is social 
political philosophy, I guess. I thought about the uh, the communist manifesto. Um, yeah. But the yeah, that's that's kind of like what are we? Yeah, what is the contract we have with society? I guess. Yeah, uh, that, I actually, I mean, I, I don't, I have not read a lot about um, communism or <laughs> capitalism for that matter, but um, I did have a think anyway about it. Um, you know, whether we, whether it works better in a society where people are clones in essence you know we are submit to this greater thing we don't have a identity uh, we exist to work for the motherland or whatever it is without any expectation of being above our station versus a society where people are motivated by these personal things like yeah I want to win this girl back or I want to get this car, or I want to get this bigger car. And we sort of all go around in our little worlds, motivating ourselves with, you know, maybe often it's false sort of dreams, or even the idea of the American dream, which is so unattainable anyways to a lot of people, yet people somehow find themselves motivated by it anyway, because it's a story that they're all told. And so we have these narratives in our head that motivate, motivate us to be good workers in like a, a capitalist society either way you go we just need to be good workers I think whether people bother to motivate us or they don't bother to motivate us the end of the day we sort of exist to be good good workers I think yeah yeah and I think the I think the nice way that this movie did that is that Sam uh, focuses on you know, it's not set up that Sam is focusing on, I'm doing this for the money. It's like, you know, you know, you wonder how much, what the, what the original contract was, but, you know, what it, Sam is very much focused on, the kind of relationships, human contact, community, not so much community, but certainly like the relationship with his, his wife. Uh, and, you know, is it, it's kind of at the point, like if you do the work, then you can have, like it's not even to, then it's not then you can have a Maserati. It's like then you can have a relationship. So it's even yeah. it's even more fundamental, I think, and human in this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, ha, yeah, where? How much do you want to work for? Work for the, the industry, and how much do you want to set your own way? And what's that? I think I think you should. Uh, it's all about defining a, a work life balance, Frida. You know, just. <laughs> doing yoga on a Wednesday I think that's pretty much I know that's a really capitalist idea though that sort of put ourselves under so much stress and then go we'll have yoga on Wednesdays it'll solve everything but even even when when I was thinking about this even in myself I'm like what what am I motivated by it's like this at the end of the day it's like this self-centered idea that I want to do something great and big and contribute like something to science which is of substance that's what motivates me um, to know that I've done something different. And so I put myself through the, you know, the academic ringer, knowing that that's the way, you know. And so it did make me reflect in the way that, you know, we use narrative memory or things, ideas in our heads as motivations. And whether it's, you know, I do this, I get that. It's like, no, I, I have this shitty job. Like Sam's like, this is my shitty job in a shitty place, but like, it's just part of my contract. And then like, I'll get to go home. It'll be great. 
And you know what? It's good for me. Look at me. I'm getting more patient. Like it's, there's a lot of things which sort of swim around. I, I, I can I, play ping pong. Yeah. Why was there a ping pong table? I still don't. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know why there were steps between the pots that you why, can just trip ooh. on. Do you remember? Oh. It just keeps tripping on these steps. I'm like, why are there steps? Why are there steps? That's the the, the doctor means like tripping hazard. There was so much detail this third viewing that I don't even know what movie I watched the first time, to be perfectly honest. The way he was eating the baked beans by the end of the movie as well, versus at the beginning, I was like, genius. Like, I never noticed that he's just like squeezing it out of the packet. All these things. It makes me me wonder what would happen if I watched any other movie three times. I don't know if I've ever watched it. I don't think every movie can hold up to to that many viewings. I, I think Moon is very special. I also I also didn't notice um, the landscapes. <laughs> I'm like, it's just her tiny models. I could just see like the genie <laughs> car, someone with a <laughs> remote control, just like <laughs> I could just see it. Uh, I could see how low budget it was. I think the set of the 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 base is amazing, but you can see the rest of it. It's pretty. It's pretty well, low fine. budget. Um, Definitely. It's, yeah, I think, uh, no, no, you mentioned it in your, um, in your first podcast, you know, that it is, you know, in terms of having a female presence on the movie, it is a bit, it doesn't really stand up necessarily to that, to that test. But I think just, I think just to mention that I think the way it portrayed men and masculinity, I think is also important, um, it's a very tender masculinity that I think is be- between the Sams and around the Sams. Yeah. And I think certainly we need more female representation on the screen, but I think also some, some nice, some better representation of men is also important. Care. Uh, yeah. It's two men giving different sorts of care to each other, whether it's like care when somebody's sick or even just pastoral care or, you know, cleaning up after one another. But they, yeah, they, I like how they kind of fight initially. There's a couple of fights there, but I like how they kind of fall into this other um, mm. pattern, which is more tender. And I just also like in general the, the, the old Sam sort of patience with him. He's the way he's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> he's, it's nice. It's caring. It's also like accepting as well. It's like, well, that's me, I suppose. So I accept you because I accept myself the way I used to be. I know that I go on to change. So I yeah. accept you. You're okay. You're okay. But, you're well, one, you're okay, but also that you're okay because I've accepted myself and forgiven myself. It's like growth. Mm. It's not just you're okay de novo. It's like you're okay because I've accepted who I am and who I was. Yeah. Which I think... Shows that's, that he's done, done the work. That's a lovely message. Um, what's your uh, after first, second, third viewings? Do you have different favorite parts, or is your your favorite parts still your favorite parts? If so, what are they? Uh, my favorite part in the first was that it's kind of it, it, it actually unfolds quite quickly and not too far into the movie, but that that when Sam two wakes up. And then you go back to San Juan and you're like, not, you're a bit disoriented, but you're kind of 
you know you kind of trust that it's going to resolve well mm-hmm. and then when they uh, is he hallucinating is he not and then they meet and then they fight and there was that kind of um that was my favorite part of the first one my favorite part of the of this viewing or my favorite part of the moment are all those little um those tender bits i think him with the plants he names all the plants yeah i know I did notice uh, that the first time. No way. Uh, and and that, and I think the yeah, and the the putting back the idea of like my body is disintegrating, and I'm going to go back into the 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 lunar the the crash rover. Um, it's a beautiful sequence. That sequence is. I actually rewinded and watched it a couple of, a couple of times because. It's uh, stunning the way he um he he cradles him like a like a child, mm. and he puts him in there, and then the camera kind of goes back, and you see him kind of bouncing back to the little truck. It's just and, so beautiful. And and there's no well, the only there's no schmaltz. There's no like there's no like they're not milking it for any emotion. It's just there, except for the music, which kills me a little. Oh, I love that. Oh my god. I love that song. It's called We're Not Programs, We're People. <laughs> I love it. It's on my all, playlist. All, all the subtleties they, they, they put into the movie, they, <laughs> they left out of the album tracks. <laughs> it's on my playlist of top atmospheric sci-fi soundtrack songs. <laughs> it's a good study guide. I love that song. Um because, yeah, because Gertie goes, we'll be back to our original programming. And he's like, we're not programs, we're people. I was going to say a bit, another bit that I loved, apart from that conversation where Sam is dying or beginning to die, um, is the phone call. It, it still just kills me. I, it's not even the phone call. It's Sam. He's just, well, Sam Rockwell's just amazing, but he's... He cries. There's something really good about the way that guy cries. Like it happens twice, I think, in the movie. It really is amazing that he cries like a baby. He really, he really breaks down and cries like he's a baby. And he's even saying, "I want to go home." It's there's something about that that actually it, it kills me. It's so sad. Don't we all want to go home? Well, yeah, and, and to some degree that, you're what, you know, that's, it becomes an extremely universal, you're watching someone die, essentially, which, and I think it's, you know, that is, you know, they, the universal existential anxiety is like death, and you, you kind of get to see, you kind of get to see it, and you get to see someone who, I mean, we don't know what he's got or what he's dying or what he's dying of, but he certainly looks terminal and severely unwell. And you know, that's another, I guess, you know, one of the. It's not really, it's not really spoken about that much. But one of the, the privileges of working in a hospital is like seeing how different people kind of go through that journey, that 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 transition, the final journey. Um, and I think that was done. Yeah, I mean, it it didn't hold back in terms of 
showing it to be not very glamorous at all. Yeah. <laughs> actually, falling. the first viewing, I kind of found something comical in that, weirdly. The way that he gets more and more busted up. I kind of felt like it was funny for some reason. And then on this viewing, like it, it wasn't funny to me anymore. It was just awful. And like you said, not, not very glamorous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's very moving what you said about the privilege of being with people and then making that sort of final, like the turn, it's kind of like a transition. Yeah, I, it's not a. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long. There's multiple stages. It's a long transition, but um, and different people go through it differently. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think that that added. A, yeah, for me, it was. And, I, and who knows whether it's just at the end of eighteen months of lockdown, and we're all feeling a little vulnerable, and <laughs> um, <laughs> we want to feel things. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was that was kind of done was done very well. Yeah, it was it was terrible to watch, and new Sam also kind of slowly reckoning as well. His slow reckoning hmm. was also hard to watch. Actually, you know, it was also him watching this guy, who was him, who's going to have a natural affection for what you know, realizing to accept the death both of them having to together accept and participate together in putting him back um, to accept that he's not going to survive. It was moving as well. And that final question that I had for you, I guess, just bringing it back to the topic of your specialty of memory. Um, if you've seen, and I'm assuming you see patients who have Alzheimer's um, dementia, who, have really at the end no memory um do you and it and there's hollywood depictions of this kind of thing but as somebody that experiences it is there personality or what you would call a personality still still there and how is it still there like wh how does it come out yeah so so i think that's i mean what i was maybe trying to touch on i think further towards the beginning i think there is a personality uh even without memory i think there's there's other types of dementia where your personality changes uh and that can actually be that can be to some degree harder for family and for people around because they say it's you know it's not the same sam it's not mm -hmm. the same bob and i think uh even then, it's yeah. What again? It's talking like what is the essence? Um, you know, there's people who can't, you know, can't remember family around them, but can still play the piano, you know, because it's a different part of the brain. Yeah. So, so or so I think it's you know, and what is the essence of human in this in the, in the final <laughs> two minutes? What is the essence of human if a person? What? As a final question, what does it mean to be a human? So, <laughs> and is Sam a human? Final question. So I think, um, yeah. So I, what? I guess the, sh the short answer to that is that memory is obviously a, a fundamental part of what how we exist as individuals. Uh, 
but it's a very it's a it's a complex story and i don't think there's not going to be there's no it's not a linear you, know, you can't draw a map you can't you memory leads memory leads to thinking language leads to grammar <laughs> we always say that and then we try and draw the map and that's the issue yeah uh, so but but i think you know even in and i think that you know the this idea you can take you can take a person in isolation and ask who they are, what is their essence. I think it really underplays the the kind of the social nature of humans and like you can't be born in isolation. So I think the, you know, all the kind of, it seems, I, I, it seems like all the kind of political thinkers of the 20th, 18th, 19th and 20th centuries, like, what is man? Man is essentially good. Man is essentially not. Man is essentially, it's like, well, hold on, Thoreau. What about man in his community? I think that, like, so that, so my, my, in short, in conclusion, uh, it's complicated and uh, man, man, person, I should say, exists in community. And so you can't, I don't think the essence has to, has to take that into account as well. Yeah. Uh, but Sam, is he a human? Um, Sam, is he a human? That's a final, final question there. Just an easy one. Um, yeah. Is a, a, I mean, it's a low, is it, is a clone human? You would need to treat a clone with, yeah with empathy humanity as if they had volition yeah Mm -hmm. i would say yes yeah yeah because if they're they have intelligence and self-awareness and existential thoughts and feelings then we have the obligation to treat them and a body and a body there's something about i haven't quite figured there's something about the body yeah that that becomes interesting when you get to ai because like yeah. Does AI have one body or can it have many bodies? You definitely have something churning around your head about embodiment. Um, so maybe it just means I'm waiting to go dancing. <laughs> yes, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. One day we'll go dancing, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for that conversation. Bang on one hour. Perfect. Um, final thoughts. I think we've had our final thoughts. Final, final thoughts. Um, have you been listening to my podcast? I, I, I have. That's good. Can, can I, my, just one, the, the, the line I think that got me is a final, final thought. Yes. Uh, in this was um, towards old Sam sister to new Sam. Um, you when they're talking about killing a new clone and putting them out in the rover, so he says, "You couldn't kill a you couldn't kill a man. I know because I couldn't kill a man." Oh. Got me. It's amazing. That's my final final thought. All right. Well, we'll digest that. And um, I really can't believe how much the third viewing felt felt like a whole other movie. Yeah. I'm still weirded out by that, to be honest. Um, so next week we'll be 
well next I don't know if it's next week but we're in the middle of a break and the movie we're coming back with for our next cycle is really links in actually it's district nine and I feel like that links in a lot because of the prawn rights I guess you'd say do you know animal testing human rights animal rights etc etc and actually we're going to be exploring that a lot um with that episode funnily enough so I'll have a bit of time to digest a little bit of what you've said and put it into some talking points for the district nine episode so are you going to tune into that Aaron? I'm there I'm there listening live Broadcast. <laughs> Excellent. Have you seen District 9? For sure you have. I think Best. it's like from the same era, possibly. Like the same year even. Something crazy like that. Was it I Jackson? know how I saw both those movies with my ex-husband, so they have to have been really close together. <laughs> yeah. so that's, how, that's how we remember time. Era. Relationship. District 9 is of course. Moon film. 2009, 2009. Shit. That's crazy. All right. So we'll catch you then. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thank um, you thanks for, for coming me. on. That was really, really, really interesting and um, good to chat with you. Maybe we'll chat an- another time, not recording. No, we can only chat in podcast form now from now on. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm stopping the recording now. But you can still stay. Bye. Bye.